Welcome to the How and the Why. With John Barrett Ingalls. Exploring and celebrating the creative process and the creative purpose of authors, editors, and artists that make up and inspire the Black Hill Press family. Black Hill Press is dedicated to the novella. We believe a great story is never defined by its length. Let's get creative. anniversary of Black Hill Press, recorded at the last bookstore in downtown Los Angeles. Welcome back. Again, I'm John Barrett Ingalls, host of The How and the Why with Black Hill Press. And today we're... Today. It's like five minutes later. Today we're talking with uh, <laughs> the uh, authors of uh, Oneronautics, Richard Gaffin, you got it. Uh, Mara, Ash, uh, Veronica Bain and John Frechette, the author of The Front Man, and then Ashley Keaton, who is the editor of Mara. <laughs> so again, we're gonna. I, I'd like to start this panel off by talking about the novella format. Uh, the novella is longer than a short story, not quite as long as a novel. I wonder, a, as an author, did you find that it was freeing, or did you find that there was a constraint to it, that you, you had to get everything in, in in a certain amount of pages, or did, did you like working in the novella format? So with you, John. I felt like, in my particular case, it was appropriate for the story, in that what I was after didn't need to be longer, and doing a short story would have been insufficient. So it just felt like the right medium. And yours started off as a screenplay. Yeah, the idea initially was that it was going to be a, a really low-budget movie. And I think there is a relation between screenwriting and a novella in the sense that they're about the same number of pages, generally. Um, you know, you often hear about screenwriters who struggle to adapt a novel into a screenplay because you've got to excise so much stuff. And with a novella, that's not really the issue. So, yeah, it, it was appropriate. Veronica, uh, I told you earlier when I finished your, when I finished Mara, I was like left with this feeling of wanting more, and then I found out that it's actually a trilogy. Does that did, did that fit into the novella, or did you have a concept of maybe doing it as a full novel? I think that YA, which my book happens to be a YA, is incredibly bloated, and there are a lot of 800-page young adult books that spend about 30 pages every chapter. Just, I think I like him, I'm not sure. I wonder if he likes me. Let me ruminate on that for a while. And I didn't want that. And I think the novella is great in that it forces you as a writer to cut a lot. And if you have an amazing editor, they make you cut a lot, so <laughs> which was good. I think that too often writers are too attached 
to their words and their beautiful sentences, and we don't need those if your sentences say enough in what, what you have. Um, I think that economy of words is incredibly important, and making each word work for its place on the page is the best way to write, and I think a novella really takes that into account. And I think for me, the way that I've set up the three books is that each one is going to focus on a certain character in a way. Other characters will, of course, come into play, but I thought that was a really nice way for me to highlight a particular character within, you know, under 40,000 words. Richard, how did you like the uh, format? Yeah, it was, a, it was a challenge, probably, above all. I, I usually work in a short story format. And the thing about the novella is it's not quite halfway between short story and novel. It's more just like a long short story in terms of, like Veronica was saying, the amount of economy and precision you need in your, in your language. With the novel, like Brothers K or something like that, there's all kinds of bagginess and diversions about onions and things. And then in the novella format, you, you just really don't have the opportunity to go on those, those sort of digressions. But at the same time, you're, so you're, you're taking the, the, uh, the very terse short story style and you're expanding it out to a longer format. So that was very difficult because you have to be, every word has to matter. And putting that amount of effort into each word is... Did your fun. story start off as a short story? It started off as, let's call it a novella, in quotes. It was like 9,000 words or something like that. And I did it for uh, my senior thesis in college. And I just kind of, kind of banged it out and turned it in, knowing that they would just give me an A and move on. You know? <laughs> this is creative writing in academia, after all. And, uh, and then when uh, I got together with Kevin about publishing it, he was like, yeah, can we you maybe make it twice as long as it was before? Because this is like nothing right now. This is not a short story. This is not a novella. This is just 9,000 words plopped down on paper. And, uh, well, he, I, I'm, I'm putting that on Kevin. Kevin was probably just like, this is great. Make it twice as long. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, so, so it didn't, it, it started as sort of this halfway thing. And I've expanded it out into the novella, which is this other halfway thing, I guess. So. Ashley, how did you uh, approach the editing process of the novella? I'm sure it set limitations on you that you might not have if you were editing a novel or even a short story. Yes, I thought it was challenging, but it was challenging in a really great way and that I really had to eliminate any of the fluff and anything that really didn't need to be there. Um, yeah, it was. It, I think it made the books better in the long run because a lot of novels do tend to get bloated, especially young adult novels, as Veronica was saying. And it really it made sense to me that we cut a lot of those unnecessarily unnecessary passages out. Hmm. I'm going to ask you a, another question. I talked to you a little bit about this before. Mm -hmm. um, so we deal with a lot of artists, writers, and artists in our family. As an editor, do you see it as a, a creative process, or is it more of like a, a mechanical fix the problems, or is it like an orchestrated, like a conductor in a symphony? I would say that. It's really a combination of the two for me. I think a lot of it is very technical, making sure that the punctuation is in the right place and that every sentence makes sense and the story flows. 
but there's also an element of shaping the story to where it needs to go, making sure that the characters are being developed, and making sure that this, the plot is interesting and holds the attention of the readers. So it really has that creative aspect to it, too. Do you find different uh, voices of the authors? Is it easier for you to, to tap in and, and find a flow, or is it pretty much the same? I think I think every author is different. I found with Sci Fidelity that was really easy for me to edit because it was comedic. It was really kind of fun to go along with his voice and to tap into that. With Mara, it took me longer, but it was really rewarding once I got in and I really got a feel for the characters and Veronica's voice, which I think is really strong. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask a, some of the same questions that I did with the other panel. I, I'd love the idea of uh, how we do what we do. And not just uh, how we do it on the grand scheme, but on the simple, like what we do on a day-to-day -day basis, how you get yourself motivated, how you uh, find the discipline to work on a daily basis, whether, it's, whether you have a deadline or not, and uh, what your creative process is. We'll start with you, John. Do you want me to speak specifically to this book, or just absolutely? In yeah, let's. I mean, let's start with this book, and then if you have, take it where it goes. Okay. Um, I would say a big thing that motivated me in getting this written was the fact that I knew that I had at least two readers who were going to read it, and that was uh, two of my friends who were producers who came to me with the idea for it initially when it was going to be a screenplay. So I knew. In the back of my mind, I have Nate and Lorenzo wanting to read this, and that motivated me to write, um, you know, to the point where I was kind of ignoring everything else in my life. Uh, and that's typically how it goes for me: is I'm not very good at kind of limiting myself to working, you know, two hours a day on something. Usually, once the writing gets good, I start to ignore other aspects of my life, usually to my detriment, um, unfortunately. But like in the case of this, near the end of the writing process, I was, uh, I, I, you know, like most people have had a day job at the, at the time. And um, so I would come home from work and I would typically stay up all night working and then sleep for about an hour and a half and go to work the next day. And it, it was bad. I mean, it, I wouldn't recommend it, but that's what I was doing. <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> Me? Veronica? Yeah. Well, now, and, and with you, because I know that you have now deadlines for other projects, so it puts a lot more pressure on, I just want to write this story. You know, I, I actually, I, I, I don't think I could ever say, I just want to write, and I think it's really detrimental for me as a writer to think that I can just write whenever I want. I think when you want to be a writer, you have to treat it as a career. You have to say, I'm going to punch in, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do, because this isn't a hobby. This is, this is a passion, this is a job, and if you treat it as a hobby, you're never going to publish anything. You're never going to make something of your writing. You may as well just keep a diary, um, which is equally valuable, but not going to get published, mostly. Um, <laughs> And so I think that for me, uh, I happen to be a teacher, and I teach ninth grade, and at the end of the day, you do not want to write after that, usually. Um, and also, <laughs> those ninth graders really need you to be present when you're there. So for me, when I'm at my job, I'm at my job. Um, but then when I'm writing, I'm equally protective. This is, this is what I need to be doing. I'm sorry I can't hang out or be cool. I'm 
a lame writer, I'm sorry. And also whenever we have breaks, I'm writing all day. Um, and I'm hiding in the corner of a cafe where no one can find me. So I think it's a mixture of being protective of your craft and just knowing that this is a job, not a hobby. Is that your spot, a cafe? <laughs> Pretty much. There's a coffee shop in San Diego where I did a lot of writing for Mara. And um, that was because, you know, at home you can say, well, the couch looks really great to take a nap on right now. And that's not going to get any writing done. I can't sleep at cafes without getting yelled at. So, you know, <laughs> there's that. Ashley? Um, well, my day job is as a writer, so I, I'm on deadline for other things all the time, so I really had to kind of cocoon myself and carve out a chunk of time to do the editing. So I'd, like, I would come home from work, I'd finish one story, and then I'd go into editing a book. I'd edit it for like four or five hours, and I'd go to bed, and I'd just do that for several days in a row. But in general, I also really like to kind of surround myself with things that will help me tap into the voice. Like if I'm editing a young adult book, I'll watch a lot of teen movies. If I'm, <laughs> if for Sci Fidelity, I really went the whole nine yards with surrounding myself with science fiction. I went to the Griffith Observatory. I read Ray Bradbury. I listened to David Bowie's Space Odyssey all the time. <laughs> I just, I, you know, I, I really got passionate about that book and committed myself to being in that voice, and I think it helps. <laughs> Richard. Yeah, I, I have, I guess, the misfortune of finding writing to be incredibly difficult. I think my, if I had an author spirit animal, it would be Jhumpa Lahiri. She has an interesting quote where she says, I hate writing more than anything else in the world, but it's the only thing I can do, so I do it. And she's, of course, cosmically good. She's so good. Um, and I'm not going to say I hate writing, because that's not true at all. But I do find it to be incredibly difficult, and that the amount of times that I feel inspired to write and the amount of times where I just have to put in the work a day, sort of uh, just grunt work of writing. Um, yeah, I don't get many of the, the inspiring times. And I find almost invariably that the times when an idea hits me and I get up out of bed and I say, I have to write that, those are always the worst. And then the ones where I just sit in front of the computer, I'm just like, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. Those always turn out, when I read them later, to be like, this is, this is pretty good. Like, I can enjoy this standing outside of myself and say, this is all right. But when I read the stuff that, that sort of came from the muse or whatever, it's just, uh, it's like, this is, this sounds like I was 15 years old when I wrote it, even though I wrote it yesterday, you know. Um, I don't know, yeah, so it's an interesting process to me, for me to say. What's like... Putting in the work of forcing yourself, that's where you're actually, yeah. you're tapping in. And when it's just the freedom, yeah. it's more of a little looser yeah. connection. I also, I also have the misfortune of not being a morning person, but wanting to be a morning person. And so most writers, or many writers talk about, like they carve out a chunk of time, like two hours in the, every morning. Um, I know the great author Amy Bender does that, and Stephen King does that. But um, I can't really write well unless I'm up in the morning, but I also can't get up in the morning. So I find myself at 4 you know, p.m. or something like that, just sitting in front of my computer and being like, it's, the sun's not in the right part of the sky right now. It's like too warm, so forget it. I was going to give up. You know? But the, again, as we've been saying, it's just a matter of plugging away despite that sort of thing. So. Now, uh, Ashley, you said that you uh, surrounded yourself with things that were inspirational based on what you were uh, working on. I, 
I'm curious as to what the inspiration for uh, the stories were. I mean, obviously, you work in a high school, Veronica, and you work with ninth graders, and you wrote a young adult novel. I'm sure that you see that life, that world, on a daily basis. Is that, are you asking if that's my inspiration? I'm, I <laughs> it's kind of a already answered, but I'm, I'm curious as to how much of that you actually put into your book. Actually, and my students ask me every day, they're like, it's about me, isn't it? It's, it's not. <laughs> the idea for Mara, actually, I had back in high school. Didn't develop it, but the characters started popping up because a lot of it was based on the people I knew in high school. And it's very much disconnected from the high schoolers that I teach um, because I don't really actually know their lives. Mm. I know what I see of them as students, but I... I mean, the, all of the angst and the hating the world was all me So <laughs> in high school. <laughs> but I think that they, the, the inspiration for me to start writing it actually as an adult just came as a, as a word. It was the word murder, which means um, a group of crows. And I saw that word and I thought it was awesome and I wanted to use it that way. And I wrote a scene just with the character that had been sticking in my head for so long and then I wanted to spend more time with her. And so that's actually how it came about. John, your story, um, music, we've talked about this before, is almost like a, a, a character. Do you, do you have a relationship to that world as a musician? And yeah, like Doug's book, who was up here earlier, my, my book is also about a, a musician, and it's set in, in Brooklyn primarily. Um, and when I was in high school, I played in punk bands. Uh, I have friends who are musicians. I went on tour with a friend's band for a summer. So I have a lot of, you know, insight into that world, I guess, just through my experiences that I was able to draw upon. And then uh, a lot of the stuff that's most autobiographical in the book is the stuff about music. He, you know, the main character tells some stories about important events in his life, and those were things that I actually witnessed firsthand. So that's, that's kind of the pure autobiography of the book. Uh, Richard. Yeah. So you, you're initial story, the 9,000 words, mm -hmm. where did the inspiration for that come from? Well, the original idea behind the story is I have a lot of uh, very vivid dreams, and invariably people will tell me, Richard, you got to put those dreams in a book. But the dreams are things like, and this is a real dream I had one time, um, I was in a club, it's like an underground club, literally underground, and my grandpa was the DJ, and he was, he was spinning a ghost in the machine by the police, and he was in between spinning records, he took out a bow and arrow and was shooting pizza, it, like slices of pizza into the audience, and it's, it's a sound, and so I woke up from that, and it was one of those dreams that feels so meaningful in the moment, and you wake up and you say that, I don't think I can use that for anything, and uh, so uh, obviously the way around that was to write a character who has these dreams and sort of put them within a frame. And so that's, that's how I decided I would, I would go about that business. And uh, yeah, and so, and so as, as that developed, like the idea of the way that dreams, these absurd, strange things intrude into our daily lives on a nightly basis, that really sort of fired my imagination. Like the, we have these interactions with the surreal and the unusual and the absurd and the strange every night. And what does that mean for, you know, when we wake up and we have to hop on the five for two hours? Daily grind, yeah. yeah. Cool. I have one last question really quickly. Um, 
uh, I wanted to get to this in the other panel. I didn't get the opportunity, but I, I'm curious as to where you see your artist self in the next four years. And we'll start with Ashley. Oh. <laughs> I, I really, I love what we're doing with Black Hill Press, and I hope that we can continue to grow it and build it. Um, and I hope to be a part of that. And I'm also, I'm really passionate about editorial and magazine journal journalism, so I hope to build a career in that too. John? Um, I, you know, coming from a film background initially, I would still like to uh, make a feature at some point. Um, that's still a kind of a guiding passion in my life. But aside from that, I, I, this was a really great experience for me, and it's one that I look forward to repeating. Awesome. Uh, Richard? What's, what do we see ourselves in four years? Four years, yeah. As opposed to five? Yeah. Okay. Keep it even. Okay, I'll have to recalibrate my answer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, man, that's a good question. I hope to have another book by then. I also love music. That's maybe my primary passion is uh, writing songs and so forth. So, I don't know, make a couple records on top of it? Something like that. I don't know. I mean, I would like to somehow find a way to nav navigate the line between, like, I love this art and I love that art. How do I do both of them and give everything to both? There's a way. There is. <laughs> I sure hope so. Veronica. Um, well, there are th three books that have, I guess four, four books that have been taking up a lot of space in my brain for the last five to ten years, and I would really like to get them like out living on their own, out of my brain. So that would be... <laughs> that would be room for new ideas. Yes, to make <laughs> room for new ones. Just these uh, books that I've been like, I want to write this, I want to write this, do I write it as a screenplay or a book or a novella, and I would really like them to just exist in the world so I can do new things. So that would be, I mean, that would be the dream if all of them were out there in four years, but, you know, you say it's a dream and then you do it, so hopefully that will happen. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for uh, giving us your time and sharing with everybody here. <laughs> This has been The How and the Why by Black Hill Press. I'm John Barrett Ingalls. The show was produced by Kevin Stanek and yours truly. The music is Mea Lua by Bossa Zuzu. I wanted to thank everybody for your creativity and your inspiration and to remind you all to keep making art. Thank you.